Hello. Hi. Is my sound quality okay, first off? Yeah, it's fine. Have you lost your headphones? I have lost my headphones. I've lost my ten pairs of headphones. He's so unprofessional. Do you have the questions? No, I don't have the questions. No, because I've got the questions. Yeah, I thought you would. Yeah. So organised. No, I know. The podcast's my deal. The check-ins, Jonathan's on. That's it. That's why, it. I normally, I normally do a... have the questions, to be fair. But... Why we're such a good team. That's it. Cool. So this is 12 or 13? It's one of us. I don't know. Nobody cares anymore. <laughs> I, I don't know why people do that at the start of the podcast. Welcome to podcast number 87. Like, yeah. who actually cares? Apart from themselves, because it's a bit of an ego boost, isn't it? So, yes, yeah, yeah. so I've done 87 podcasts. Mm. Good for you, hon. <laughs> right. Cool. We've got some good questions. We always have some good questions, Jonathan. Excellent. So, the first question, Anna says, do either of you have any tips for managing hunger on those I just can't feel full slash starving days? Um, I can't find any triggers for these days that I've noted. And then she replied to that saying, I think I've just answered my own question. I made a big salad and I'm bored of eating it only partway through. So, yes, Anna, that would be like, probably one of my go-tos is like yeah. make a big plate of food and like have a load of veg and by the time you know if, if it stops tasting nice you're kind of probably just bored of eating it mm-hmm. um yeah and just make sure it's a low calorie option if you're going for sort of the food volume answer um the other thing I would do is just I guess like think about you've said here that you haven't found a trigger for that so that would have been my next question like does this tend to happen on days where maybe you've trained more you're more active or maybe you're less active you know because that can happen sometimes as well like on days I know that days that I'll overeat are the days that I'm least busy so if I'm sat on my computer editing a load of videos or whatever I'm like oh I could have a break now and another snack or but but if I've got a full day of clients you know you struggle to fit in your meals so it could be that you're bored of eating if you're actually saying you feel very hungry so I'd prefer you to look maybe at have you trained at a different time that day? Did you train later the night before? Did you go for a big walk the day before? Or did you maybe under eat the day before? So try and look at like these factors and what might be the reason. Because if there's a specific reason for it, so say you really under ate the day before, then you're probably going to want to avoid under eating again. And maybe you do say, actually, you know what? I'm really hungry. I'm going to have an extra meal. Make that meal a massive chicken salad or you know, whatever prawns are also available. Um, and yeah, go with that. Like, because it could be that you're hungry for a physiological reason and you maybe just need to eat a little bit more that day and it's not going to affect your diet long term. What you don't want to do is just be like, oh my God, I'm so hungry and eat a load of biscuits. So, do you have anything to add? Yeah, no, I think those are some great points. Just keep everything as Emma always goes on about eating volume or keeping volume high on certain days and, and lower calorie days and just getting as much kind of things like veg in your diet as you can, lean proteins, things that you're going to get a lot of volume for, but very low calories. Just make sure that you're flavoring those things well as well. So using seasoning, salts, balsamic vinegars, um, what else? Low calorie ketchups, low calorie mustards, all those kind of things, because that can be another reason that you're maybe not feeling that satiated. Flavor has a massive um, impact on how, satiated you can feel so just make sure you're trying to make things as tasty as you can rather than just thinking right i'm going to eat some leaves and i'm going to eat some chicken without anything on it 
Um, nobody's really going to be feeling great after having eaten that. So yeah, just make sure everything's flavored. Make sure you're being advent as adventurous as you can. Some great recipes on the website for some very low calorie, um, high volume foods. So check those out as well. Yeah, absolutely true. And flavoring is such a good point that, yeah, you can use. So I love sweet chili sauce. It's got, mm-hmm. it's not that high in calories. Um, Frank's hot sauce, yeah. pretty low in calories. Um, but salts and um, like pepper and like actual seasoning. Pow- what am I trying to say? Powdered seasoning. So yeah, they've like got very Swartz, little. Swartz? Swartz? Swartz yeah. They're really good. Um, I absolutely love, there's one from Tesco, it's like a barbecue seasoning, and there is like a, a bit of sugar in it, but bearing in mind, you know, you look at the back and you're like, oh, that's quite a lot of calories, but that's like for 100 grams, which yeah. quite obviously you're not going to use, but amazing. It just makes everything taste so much better. So just find one or a couple that you enjoy. They're really only adding a couple of calories to your meal, and it does make all of the difference. Yeah. And even things like this is a bit of a side topic, but like how you cook your food. So mm. I'm mega, mega lazy. And usually I'll just chuck chicken in like the George Foreman and just grill it and then it's ready, whatever, bam, bam, bam. But it, it like I only realized how awful it tastes when like I cook chicken in the oven and I was like, what is this amazing taste? <laughs> it's like, it's not completely dried out chicken. That's what it is. <laughs> um, so things like that, like, yeah, you can if you're on the go and stuff like I don't know I just sort of I'm kind of eating for fuel a lot of the time and then but if you are making a nice meal just think about how you're cooking things as well because it can make you know and a boiled egg or like an egg in the microwave or something you know can taste pretty crap it's like rubbery you know but if you make it fresh and like poached and I'm not very good at cooking as you can probably tell but (laughs) you can make things taste so much better just from cooking them in in a better way and not necessarily like adding a load of um, oil or anything to them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Okay, so question number two is from Zenga. She says, way back when, uh, yes, I'm that old, I was advised to get HRM, so hormone replacement. No, wait. No, sorry. <laughs> Heart rate monitor, no, <laughs> slightly different. Okay, sorry, I'm just reading this now. Um, she was advised to get a heart rate monitor. I've used one ever since. It's a polar stre- uh, chest strap. Uh, I know the calories are not accurate and I don't use it to plan or offset food. Good work, Senga. Um, I was told though by my doctor that monitoring recovery rate was a good thing to do is this would help gauge my fitness and faster recovery the fitter I am is this true that is absolutely true yes so one key measure of fitness is basically how quickly your heart rate goes down after training so how quickly that recovers um but so many factors are involved in that so you couldn't really you know unless you were doing a very um specific bout of exercise so Mm -hmm. when when I've previously worked in a lab and we did sort of physiology you'd maybe do you know one one example would be a vo2 max test so you go to your absolute maximum and then you measure you'd measure your recovery from that um but another example might be like a set amount of exercise so you're going to cycle at x amount of watts for x amount of time and we're going to measure how long it takes your heart rate to get down to resting again yeah um 
or to drop by a certain percentage. And that would be, again, a measure of your fitness, which is kind of more specific. But it, with your training, because I coach Senga, like I, it, it's going to be a bit harder to judge because so many factors come in and like, you know, how many burpees did it make you do? And yeah. like, did you have a longer recovery? And mm-hmm. other factors as well come in that, so for example, one one thing that I do think heart rate monitors are useful for and that I've used previously in the past, and it's for fitness, like as a general fitness and fat loss is a bit of an overkill. But when I was rowing, we used to all have to take our heart rate in the morning as soon as we woke up um, and then you track that. So you take every single morning and it was quite a good measure of recovery. So when you're not recovering, so maybe you're slightly overtraining, your heart rate tends to be higher. And the same is true as when you're ill. So, you know, everyone has that sort of argument with, your, with themselves, like, am I actually ill or could I just train through this? Or, you know, and you're like, do I, you, you're questioning yourself and should I go to the gym? Should I not? Well, that was one of the factors we used to determine that. So actually I'm feeling pretty low. And for the last three days, my heart rate's been a bit higher. Maybe I am about to come down with something. Maybe I should miss this session rather than, you're always debating in your head like do I want to miss this session because it's a really hard egg or do I actually not feel well you know um so that was like another another use of it but for what you're doing um unless you maybe did it after a set bout of exercise it's probably not that useful yeah definitely I I agree because you're not doing the same exercises and you're not testing it in the same way then obviously recovery is going to be different like Emma's already said so different exercises more burpees for instance less burpees <laughs> that's going to be Senga actually fun. doesn't have burpees she's yeah. specifically requested no yeah. burpees <laughs> so that's going to be that's going to have an impact on your recovery obviously you do a hard about of exercise you're going to take a little bit longer for your um resting heart rate to return to base form and like Emma said as well other implications can affect it um so sleep lack of sleeps can be one of them as well there's been things that have showed that if you've not been sleeping very well your resting heart rate can be higher as well so um, that's just one thing that Emma didn't mention, but everything else mm-hmm. is perfect. Yeah, brilliant point. Sleep's so important for so many things. And the research is so scary about it, isn't it? Yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, you miss, I think it was something is like, so, because it, it's not uncommon. Like the other day I got, I came back from holiday, I got three hours sleep and then I was up working. So that was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I kind of, you normally get away with it for the first day, but the research suggests that that's as bad as like drink driving in terms of your concentration oh yeah yeah absolutely and I'm like it you know and you know that sort of truck drivers and stuff like drive all through the night or not even them but like a lot of people not not normally me because I'm really boring but like people that go on nights (laughs) out and like have a couple hours sleep and then get up and drive and yeah and actually they're probably still got alcohol in their system as well yeah, there's that too. And also, I think, I can't remember exactly how long it is, but there's been studies to show that it takes you so many nights of decent sleep to become rested again mm. um, afterwards. So it's not a case of, oh, I had three hours sleep the night before and then I had eight hours sleep tonight. Why am I still tired? Like, there's a reason behind yeah. that. Um, I can't remember the exact amount of days, the exact kind of timing. But well, was... Yeah, because it's all to do... It's funny because that totally makes sense. It's also of your circadian rhythm and getting yeah. into a good pattern. and Yeah. That's sort of why, unfortunately, for shift workers, like they've got a much higher risk of certain metabolic diseases. Yeah, um, absolutely. But 
on the flip side of that, I also recently saw some research that said that you can catch up on your sleep over the weekend. Like, say you're very busy during the week and you're only getting, like, five hours. Yeah. If you catch up on it over the weekend, it, it like, it is beneficial. Whereas, like, I had heard before that, no, you're kind of, like, you need to be in a routine. Yeah. But it was saying that, like, a couple of lions over the weekend would actually benefit you. Um, I can't actually remember what markers it was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Anyhow, Karen has a question. Yep. Actually, she's got a few. So, yep. number one, you can take this one. Um, for the separate purposes of fat loss and building or maintaining lean muscle, what is your opinion on nutrient timing? And in particular, A, a uh, the consumption of protein post-workout, your views on the quote-unquote anabolic window, is it okay to leave protein consumption post-workout as long as, say, three hours? Okay, cool. So normally the only emphasis we put on kind of timings when it comes to nutrient timing, or the most important one anyway, we can go to some other ones, is, as Karen's already said, protein intake, protein consumption. And there is a kind of window that you do want to be looking at taking in protein and taking in a decent amount of good quality protein, but it's a much larger window than women's health, men's health, the internet, all that kind of stuff will want you to believe. Generally speaking, let's just say as an example, you want to have protein within five hours. Oh, sorry, start again. You want to have protein. If you have, if best way of saying it, if you work out at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, for instance, and you've eaten at 10 o'clock, you've then got to about three o'clock again to have some protein. So if you've had protein at 10 o'clock, you work out at 12, you've got about three hours to kind of get a decent amount of protein in your diet again to really kind of get the most benefit from ingesting that protein and recovering etc outside of that kind of five hour window you're not going to get as many benefits obviously you still want to take that protein in but you've kind of missed that that um that that kind of time of where you could get the most benefit from having a decent amount of protein that is more than for most people more than like 25 grams of protein um good quality protein so whey meats um poultry uh, dairy, yogurt, all that kind of stuff. So the myth around like taking it within half an hour after your workout and without within half an hour before your workout is is overkill. Like it's far too soon. I mean, you can do it. It's not going to do you any harm, etc. But you don't need to take it, or you don't need to be as anal with that at all. So, and if you're looking at it from a calorie point of view too, it, it lets people be a little bit more flexible. Lets them spread the calories out a bit longer across the day rather than kind of sandwiching two meals within two three hours of each other so if you're dieting it can be of benefit to kind of understand that you don't need to eat protein as close to your workouts as facebook etc wants you to believe um carbohydrates wise fats wise it doesn't really matter too much if you're only working out once a day and if you're having carbohydrates at some point during the day you're going to be um replenishing your glycogen stores you're going to be topping that up um, if you're working out twice a day so if you're having a workout in the morning later on at night you might want to put some carbohydrates so some fast digesting carbohydrates some glucose etc after your workout so you replenish your glycogen stores quicker for that next workout but if it's just once a day it doesn't really matter it's just kind of personal preference really so some people like carbs before they've worked out some people enjoy having them afterwards um, it's really not a, a kind of massive factor when it comes to building muscle losing fat, um, et cetera, from a physiological point of view. It's more of a personal one, but definitely look at getting that protein within that kind of five-hour window of your workout, if you work out sandwiched in between somewhere. 
Yeah, but pretty much, obviously, singing from the same hymn sheet here, completely agree. Um, what I normally say is that I'd normally have a shake either before or after, just to cover my bases, mainly because you might... Well, if you're going to have a meal before and after, that's absolutely fine. But say, for example, you have your breakfast, a couple of hours later you train, and then you'd have a shake after, and then you'd have your lunch later. Or in, yeah. the, in the evening, you know, whichever meal, it doesn't matter if it's... You know, you could have the opposite way around. So you finish work, have a shake on the way to the gym, then you yeah. finish your workout, a couple of hours later, you go home, like, make a nice meal... There you go. So you're not having yeah. to shove down food straight away. Like, yeah. that's not important. And actually, just to sort of emphasize that point and counteract it a little bit, it, in a physiologically ideal situation, you would peak your muscle protein synthesis response from exercise and your muscle protein synthesis response from food. So to actually do that, you'd probably want to start ingesting protein, like, right at the beginning of your workout. Yeah. So that it would get into your blood um, and the amino acids would be in your muscle at the same time as your sort of peak of stimulation from exercise, which obviously isn't really practical. Like you don't really want to be, but like my point is this sort of notion behind all of this doesn't have much foundation anyway. Um, yeah. And as Jonathan was saying, like the upregulation of these factors like insulin sensitivity, muscle protein synthesis, these last a lot longer than what people think. Yeah. Um, and one caveat to that, which not yet, but is almost relevant to Karen. So you wouldn't believe it, but she's over 50. Mm -hmm. Wow. I know. Like, probably fitter than me, uh, you know, than I've ever been. Um, but as you age, you do become more anabolic resistant. So actually, most of the research that supplement companies like to, to use is done on older adults so they did show that after exercise if you ingest whey protein i think it was either an hour after exercise or three hours after exercise the muscle protein synthesis response of ingesting an hour after exercise was higher now this isn't true in quote-unquote young people but people who don't have anabolic resistance so you're probably going to start like it's a continuum you might start reducing your sensitivity to these signals it's sort of i'd say 55 60 and then up and that's sort of the start of sarcopenia which is muscle wastage with age that we see in the older generation um yeah. and it's hugely counteractive i mean like karen would not be experiencing this because she resistance trained so well and her diet's so on point but for those people protein timing is more important for everybody else so for everyone all the guys that are like chugging a protein shake as soon as they finish absolutely no benefit whatsoever for the old people who probably don't get enough protein in anyway, but that's another topic. Yeah. But they have a reduced sort of window, that, that quote-unquote anabolic window. They probably actually do have an anabolic window that's quite relatively small or smaller. They may benefit from making sure they get in protein straight after training. Or it's also within a point an to hour. Be made. Yeah, that's a great point. It's also a point to be made on, because of the anabolic resistance all the populations needing a higher dose of protein as well. But that's maybe another topic. Yeah, completely another topic, but it's so interesting. And then it's kind yeah. of ironic. Like, I, I remember I used to do posts on this and it was like, give your grandpa protein or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it, those are the people that need it most and those are the people that are least likely to do it. Yeah, Like, absolutely. when do you ever see, like, like, my grandparents would never, you know, 
have a protein shake and a lot of them i guess like i'm this is quite old people now but you know they're, they're used to sort of rations and things like from the water so they're more likely to eat like carby things and yeah eat, you know foods like meats and stuff like they wouldn't just eat a whole load of meat because you know that's kind of like it's almost like it's a waste or like oh you'd only have mm-hmm. meat at dinner time because you're saving it for the nice meal or you know, yeah. there's not a lot of it to go around so yeah um, and they're sort of stuck in those ways. And I know that my grandparents would, you know, they'd never consider having like a high protein breakfast or, but actually it would help them so much. Even parents, like you don't even need to skip to grandparents. Yeah. I mean, even just little things like, I don't, I can't even tell you the last time I saw my mum or dad drink a glass of water. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know, it's such a, it's either coffee, tea or wine and even that like they're not really drinking any coffee or tea regularly either it's such a it's just not a habit that that yeah. those generations were in well um, what how, they don't drink tea are they even english <laughs> no they do well they do but what i mean is not that frequently yeah. so from a hydration point of view it's oh, just, you literally it's that... can't walk into my house without having a cup of tea in your hand like if you've not got one well, so my parents freak one. is that like how you no 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 it's, as soon as you're in it's like tea if you don't have a cup of tea i think they feel a bit anxious like what you don't what like why just continuous cups of tea excellent right next question okay so this is part b to this okay. question also karen i really like we're on the same wavelength like we love a list and she's actually broken this list down into sections so oh, this question one, part B. Is it important to have protein not long before you go to bed? I'm in the habit of always having a big supper and a decent amount of protein within a couple of hours before going to bed, so I don't, <laughs> so I don't lose my gains overnight. Um, <laughs> is it essential to do that when the goal is about maintaining or ideally building a bit more lean muscle? I'd say it's probably even more important to do that when you're looking at building or, well, actually, just as important, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely getting something in before you go to bed. It's always another. It's just another op- like chance to get in a protein source. Um, yeah. And you are like you say, you don't want to lose your gains overnight. Like that isn't going to happen. But you are then going to fast for however long you sleep. Um, and then you know some people just get up and go, like don't have breakfast, or so you've got to sort of think like how many opportunities have I got today. And Karen's an exception here. So for fat loss, it's slightly different, but she's quite, I'd say, a performance um, client. So she's looking at how many times a day can I stimulate muscle protein synthesis? If that's another option, another time, and you can do it quite low calorie. Like you could either have a shake or I quite like, I'd maybe, you know, if I wasn't working, I might have my dinner at say six and then Mm -hmm. at eight or nine, I might have like some Greek yogurt with some berries or something. You know, it can mm-hmm. it can be as little as like I think you can get about twenty grams of protein for about hundred and fifty calories of of like total Greek yogurt and a couple of blueberries and stuff. So it you know, it doesn't have to add on a huge amount to your diet and it's very easy to factor in and it's just another another chance to sort of stimulate that response before you go to bed and fast for a couple of hours. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully a bit more than a couple of hours. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, I mean, we don't want you to be waking up like some stupid people do and having protein shakes at four in the morning, etc. Um, but yeah, like having splitting it up, splitting up your protein sources throughout the day, having some a bit later on at night. Yeah, that's obviously if you're looking at stimulating 
muscle protein synthesis and what research has shown is like between three to five times a day is a pretty good number to kind of aim for so if you're spreading that out between breakfast lunch dinner a couple of snacks or however then that's that can be a, mm. a really good thing to be looking at yeah and the other important thing to remember about that as well is that and we are getting a bit you know like a lot of this stuff is a bit minutiae like probably doesn't matter but if yeah. you're going to do it you may as well so with muscle protein synthesis like we're saying we always say like break up your meals time your meals around your, like build your meals around your protein there's more of a reason for that because you can't so for example if karen had her big chicken breast for dinner and whatever and then had her um greek yogurt pre-bed straight after you're only going to stimulate that response once because muscle protein synthesis has to have a chance to come back down to baseline before yeah. it can be stimulated again so ideally you'd look at having at least two hours between each meal which yeah. is kind of where the myth comes from oh you, if you don't eat every two hours then your muscles yeah. will fall off and blah 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 yeah. But, um yeah absolutely yeah but that, so there, is, actually, there is always a sort of slight truth behind these like insane bodybuilder yeah. notions because yeah. I guess someone was like well if, if it goes down then I could potentially stimulate muscle protein synthesis every two hours so yes potentially you could would it have a real life benefit to you like I'm gonna say probably not but yeah. if you want to live your life that way crack on yeah exactly exactly right what's part c so part c final part to to question one um breakfast i like to be up for a couple of hours before i eat sometimes your views on breakfast consumption again specifically about protein so we kind of just covered that actually that yeah. i was saying some people don't like eating protein as soon as they sorry eating breakfast as soon as they get up so you've got to think like how long is that fasting period you've got between your dinner at say seven eight the night before and then you're not maybe eating breakfast till i don't know 10 o'clock the next day it's quite a long period of time again yeah. your body is absolutely adapted to do that it's not a huge deal at all but no. if you are thinking right what can i do in my diet to you know get the most out of it then it might be a consideration you need to take yeah i agree as well but at the end of the day make sure that it fits your lifestyle first and foremost because if it's something that's putting stress on you you kind of not enjoying doing it regardless of goals etc it's such a it really is like the icing on the cake when it comes to progress and like emma's already saying it's like the minutiae minutia, like yeah. it's not worth kind of sacrificing enjoyment and life over if that makes sense not that obviously doing that's going to affect your life but beforehand i've eaten in certain ways etc that have been made me kind of miserable that made meant that I've needed to skip, like, go out of the cinema to get food out the back of my car and all that kind of stuff. Oh. Midway through a film, just ridiculous things. So, um, yeah, it's never ever worth doing it. I think everybody's been there, haven't they? I, I took. Well, I I've not been that. A wedding far, and had, but, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I've, I've been ridiculous, so I'll put my hand up. But um, yeah, you're right, and like these things as well, they're flexible. So, say, let's like Karen's the example here. Like most days you know she can do that and it fits in with her lifestyle fine and she enjoys eating that way absolutely great but then she's like oh like what we don't want is you to be like oh my god I'm going on holidays stressing out that I won't be able to have the same meal timings or blah 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 like yeah if, for consistency's purposes like if if you like eating that way and it fits in with your lifestyle and you don't mind making maybe a small amendment here like I'm adding in a snack before bed that's fine but you know if 
on one occasion you're away with your partner enjoying yourself you don't have to have a snack before bed like it, yeah. you know and it, we always go on about this it's like the consistent being consistently good like getting in these habits consistently well means that yeah. you can go off track a little bit if you get straight back on so yeah absolutely. you know for example i've just had like five days no gym uh and like not eating particularly well blah blah like i'm absolutely fine like i look exactly the same pretty much i mean i've got pretty good tan which might be covering that you always like you you always look better with the tan but um yeah like i mean if if you're consistently good and that doesn't just mean you know i guess the 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 further you get into this so like i've been training and doing nutrition for years now and like watching my diet and fueling and you know, whatever. I guess my point is over the years, a couple of days off here and there is going to make no difference. And it really helps your motivation. Like I've come back, I've had a couple of really good training sessions, feel much better in my head. Like it, yeah. it you know, it doesn't, it's not going to affect you negatively and you need time to enjoy yourself as well. So it's more about consistently over the years, stick to your diet, stick to your training, get exercise in if you've got periods of time, even up to like a few months, if you're injured or something, the fact that you've been consistent for years before and after that, you know, you don't need to stress about those periods of time that will come where there's maybe a bit of stress in your life and it's not your focus at the moment. As long as when that's gone, you get straight back on it. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. You look at things like muscle memory, which has been shown to actually be a thing, despite again, a lot of bros talking about it um yeah but i think they sort of misinterpret it yeah true yeah but yeah um but to a certain extent like if you've already got to a certain strength level it's going to be a lot easier to go back to that if you've already been um a certain leanness etc too like you know what you need to do to get Mm. back to that like it's just repeating the steps you take took before that's one thing that a lot of people get stressed about is oh my god i put on x amount of weight what do i do what do i do i was like well what did you do before you stuck to your calories and i mean three times a week um not to it. like to not to blow our own trumpets but like most fat loss courses do not give you information like they don't do the how do you maintain these results whereas yeah. we're very focused on that you know we'll show you how to get results but we want you to understand how you're getting there so that you can maintain that after and yeah, yeah. it's not the best business plan in the world like <laughs> hopefully we give you all the tools so that like this is the last diet you'll ever need and then you enjoy it enough and love our banner enough and our recipes and workouts and whatever to stay in the graduate program but yeah the point is like it, you know you've got a lifespan of us and we want to give you all that knowledge so that you can go off and do it on your own and and like maintain these results on your own and you should never feel like oh I'm going away for two weeks on holiday I'm going to put on loads of weight like I have no idea how I'm going to get it off like it shouldn't stress you because you go away for two weeks maybe you make smart choices you've put on not as much as you thought you would anyway and you come back and you know yeah. exactly how to get rid of it because you've done it before you know how to do it again and you don't need to stress about that and like that's yeah. the position we want you to be in absolutely right, let's last move question on. um okay and being a bit curious uh, sorry she says okay i'm being a bit curious not complaining regarding things like burpees jumps and plyometric type stuff which i'm learning and starting to challenge myself with aside from burning energy what benefits do they provide to strength and hypertrophy do you think they might help me with power performance or my compound moves i'm hoping so as it's my weakness 
Well, obviously, they're going to translate over to like explosiveness and the speed of doing certain movements like squats, uh, deadlifts, etc. So it's obviously got a benefit from that kind of standpoint. You're working on your fast twitch fibers, which um, are obviously important at certain points of a lift, especially when you're lifting very, very, very heavy, um, where you're recruiting all your muscle fibers. So if you're doing very heavy deadlifts, squats, bench presses, you're going to ultimate failure when everything is recruited then having burpees, jumps, plyometrics can transition over to that. I use a lot of plyometrics, um, explosive jumps, etc., to work on um, speed for rugby mainly. Um, so that translates over to that f- from a kind of sport-specific point mm. of view. But yeah, definitely they will help with, with things like that. Obviously, if you're not doing, um, especially like maybe not so much if you're just doing burpees for a fitness point of yeah. view, but if you're look, looking at doing like very low three to five rep explosive work you're doing a full recovery and you're really looking at trying to get as high as you can or get as long as you can and all that kind of stuff but yeah yeah, so like Jonathan's got a good point there like if you're maybe so for Jonathan like his rugby training I know for a fact he's not doing like burpees to failure because but not for his power development anyway um he'd maybe do and it's going to sound kind of ridiculous but you might do say heavy squats and then like in between that you might do three explosive squat jumps like it's not for fatiguing you it's for developing power and it's one of my sort of gripes with crossfit is that they do things like the the clean or the snatch to fail like to failure and for me i would never really go over three reps on a clean or snatch unless you're maybe doing technique work a bit lighter, but if you're going heavy, like it's a power movement and yeah. you're not getting that power. If, if you're going to sort of fail, you start bringing in other muscles and you start lo- using oh, slower it's... twitch muscle fibers. So there's very much a difference. Um, the reason I like burpees and stuff is for conditioning because you, know, you want to be yeah. fit, strong, healthy. And for me, like I love finishers as everyone probably has gathered by their training programs, <laughs> but you know, that feeling of like, I'm a bit exhausted before you get out the gym, like leave it all in the gym. Like a lot of this is, yeah, you're getting physiological benefits, but it's mental as well. Like you look at that finisher and you're like, Oh, I really don't want to do it. But once you do it and once you've got it done, like you always, although you're leaving the gym feeling knackered, like you are a bit proud of yourself. You can't deny it. Um, and it gives you that good feeling, it gives you a bit of an endorphin rush, which I don't <clears throat> find I get just from lifting weights. Um, and yeah. also means you don't have to do as much cardio or, you know, you're getting that fitness level without making you just sit on a bike and do whatever. I just find it a bit more exciting than cardio, but you're still getting that fitness benefit. Um, and you really sort of challenge yourself and push yourself. And yeah, that's why, that's why they're in there. Um, yeah, and if you look at translating over to, so if you are doing um, conditioning work that Emma's put in the programs like burpees, etc. too, and then you have high rep squats or something like that on other workouts, that's going to translate over because if you're fitter, you've got more muscular endurance, you're going to be able to potentially lift heavier on those endurance yeah, sets. Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, pretty much. But yeah, in terms of is it going to help your compound lifts, like basically like maybe a little bit, but no because specificity is something we just forget about all the time. Like if you want to get better at doing squats, you're going to need to squat Squat. more than once a week, like do different rep ranges, maybe do slight variations, but even then like, Oh, I really want to improve my front squat. So what have you been doing? Oh, stability ball squats. Like 
No, yeah. go and work on your front squat more. Like, if you have to add it in yeah. for, like, the start of every session you do, if that's your goal is to do good front squats, you know, you hear it all the time, like, yeah, I think my core is weak, so I'm going to focus on that. Great, add in, add in oh. core work. But yeah. if your goal is to get good at something, you need to do it more often. And specificity is something that you just, like, people just seem to forget, like, oh, I'm not good at this exercise, so I'll do a couple of other ones to make me better at that one no absolutely yeah same same reason when it comes to well similar when it comes to workouts the question today and your post yesterday funnily enough like if you are changing your workout and um, i know on the first blocks we give you two workouts of kind of four weeks that's more just to kind of keep everybody interested gives them something new to focus on but if you're constantly changing exercises rep ranges on squats on deadlifts etc you're never going to really improve that much because by the time you get used to that exercise before you found, by the time you found out what weight you can lift on a certain exercise, like your program's changing again. Yeah. You need at least some time to, because the first time you do a yeah. session, you can't put everything into it because you're not quite sure, like you're saying, what weight you can lift or, you know, how exactly the program's going to go, where you're going to be in the gym, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, or maybe it's a new exercise. There's no way you can lift as heavy as you could the first time you do an exercise. Um, it was funny because someone commented on my on that post and it and they'd put yeah you're totally right every time i go into the gym i just do whatever i want and i, I saw like, that <laughs> not quite what i was going for i just ignored yeah. it yeah i just ignored it it was ifbb yeah some apps like that, that no he's not even that like he's just some weirdo yeah. from dundee that he just <laughs> uh, just confusing the muscles yeah bro. he's so bro like he puts up posts about like anabolic timing and Blah blah blah, oh, no. and also with the strongest Scottish accent. Which Sharon, if you're listening, like she'll understand. It's not a pleasant, no. not a pleasant accent. Um, okay, let's move forward. That's that's all the questions we've got. Oh, is it? Oh, awesome, cool, brilliant. So some really great ones. We'll put a post up as always. We'll post this up in the group so you, we can kind of continue the thread. We'll put it into the pin post so you can find it and ask any questions that you kind of have. We should have some good ones as well because we've got a new group uh, started at the start of the week. Um, so we should have some great ones from from them as well. There's probably some things that those guys want to Definitely. know. Uh, yeah, yeah, so some brilliant questions. as yeah. ever, like post your questions. If you have just any topics as well, like Karen's was quite good because she's, well, hers was amazing because it had like other little sections. <laughs> but <laughs> even if she just said like, oh, I need to know a bit more about protein timing. Like, I'm not sure because I've heard all this stuff. Like, you can give us a topic and we'll yeah. sort of hopefully answer. But yeah, if you can be more specific, it's good because then we'll definitely answer what you're asking. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Great. Okay, have an awesome week, guys. Yeah, speak to you soon. Bye.